0: This is the Wesson Walker Show.
2: Even the crowd knows what's coming
0: next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Walker Mail, Wes Bryant, Josh Fiddy Marlowe, all of us trying to make sense on what happened last night with Baker Mayfield leading the Rams back to a victory, 98 yards. Final drive, under two minutes left. Under two days that he spent with the team, and he's able to lead that team to victory. We'll talk about all of that later on, getting into it at 1220. Also, Jalen McDaniels of the Charlotte Hornets, the fan club, the guy that we talked about at the end of the show where somebody was angrily texting us saying he's not very good, but we went out and we got him, baby. Jalen McDaniel is going to be joining us at 1 o'clock to talk about the season so far. Contract year as well for Jalen. I want to ask him about if that's kind of in his consciousness or if he's trying to forget about that as he plays now and think about that later. We'll have plenty to get to about the Charlotte Hornets, their game tonight against the New York Knicks and Baker Mayfield's performance last night. You can text in 704-570-9610. That's the Garage Door Guru text line. Again, 704-570-9610. Did you guys watch that game last night? I mean, it wasn't something that I was extremely excited about heading in, but, boy, it did become exciting.
2: Uh, To be frank, I didn't watch a minute of it. I thought it was going to be a horrible game, and then I got the aftermath of it on Twitter and social media and <laughs> yeah. things of that nature, and then I was like, oh, boy,
0: here we go. Well, what's funny is, and this is absolutely true, in our Three Kings group text that you dubbed us, by the way, Wes. Yes. I, that's not something I named us. You named us that. <laughs> in the Three Kings group text, Fiddy texted basically me saying, I told you Baker could still play Big Bird. Yes. And I don't remember him saying that, which just is further evidence. I don't listen to anything Fiddy says at all. You said that yesterday. What time did you say that on the radio show that Baker could still play? Yeah, I, don't
1: remember. I don't remember when I said it, but mm-hmm. I remember you and I were having a conversation regarding Baker Mayfield. And I said in the right situation, I still think he can be a difference maker at the position that went in one ear and out the yeah. other for you and uh wasn't last night just such baker mayfield though like yeah, the look is god awful as he did through two and a half quarters That's like correct. everyone pretty much had his career was done he was burnt and then the raiders raided and he he leads them on a 98 yard drive to come back and win the game deep down like as much as i supported baker when he was here as much as we criticized him while he was here I was happy to see him be successful last night.
0: Yeah, I mean, I so I was watching this. I apparently like to torture myself with bad football. I just, I love the sport, so I'm going to watch the bad football. I'm one of the people that complains about the product, but still tunes in and basically does nothing <laughs> to their bottom line. I'm one of those people. And so I was watching last night. It was so ugly. And I thought the Raiders were going to just take off, right? Devontae Adams, Derek Carr were cooking at the very beginning. Then Derek Carr has an awful turnover in the red zone. It's supposed to breathe some life into the Rams, but they try to settle for a field goal. They miss it. I mean, they're punting all over the place. And then the fourth quarter happens. I made the joke like Baker was still getting over jet lag until the fourth quarter hit boom. He was adjusted to the Western time zone. And then he's able to throw a couple of touchdown passes or one at least and lead the other touchdown drive before the game winner where Cam Akers is able to punch it in from a yard out. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it's a little local because Baker Mayfield, of course, left this Carolina Panthers organization. Just left. Tire marks still on the parking space. I still heard this. I mean, I feel like there are still echoes of the squeaks of the tires (laughs) leaving this city. He's gone, but we can still see the remnants of his play here. Mm -hmm. It's been so soon. And just a couple days after he's a member of the Rams, he leads them on an improbable, maybe impossible game-winning drive. We told you what it is with us. We're pulling up to the scene. It's time to get off the bus. We
1: look good off down. the bus. I got something
2: to say. Damn! Kick
0: it! I can feel it. KC Steve writes in, was it Baker, was it the Raiders' idiot mistakes, or was it horrible calls? We're going to get to all of that in the second segment, but we're just going to lay the foundation. Let's hear from Baker Mayfield himself discussing how he was learning so many different offenses in his career and how that actually pays dividends. I used to not necessarily complain about the fact that I had that many different offensive systems and having to learn that, but it came in handy when having to learn a crash course and being able to relate relate certain things. Sean's protection scheme is similar to Bill Callahan's who I had in Cleveland, so terminology with that, that knocks out a big chunk of the learning curve and just trying to learn all the the motions and the terminology for that. It's it's tough, but those guys did a great job of helping me out communicating when I got off the field on the sideline and just talking about what the plays that are coming up. I'm going to take a couple of stabs at this explanation as to why he performed well late in this game. Baker honestly gave me one I hadn't thought of. It makes sense. It's not something that is a usual piece of analysis from people. Learning so many different offenses might allow you to learn on the fly a little more. Like what Baker was talking about, it does make sense. The offensive line thing, not so much. Maybe the protection scheme is the same, but the offensive lines really aren't cleveland's was so much better when he was there with the browns yeah. the rams their offensive line has been totally awful i also wonder about the whole film thing baker in a new offense right off the bat right not a whole lot of time to study for the raiders and their defense is not good anyway max crosby excellent pass rusher one of the best in the nfl but that's still a defense that underperforms as a cohesive unit so those are a couple of other reasons but That is not to take away from the way Baker threw the ball downfield on point. The game-winning touchdown was incredible. The throw to Skorownick on the right side, that was in the right spot despite him actually being covered. These were not dudes that were getting a lot of separation. Baker was by far the most accurate he had ever been this year. Wasn't even close to that, Wes, throwing five yards past the line of scrimmage. So we're going to get into what is possibly overreacting from Panthers fans. I'm just focusing right now to set the stage. How incredible that was to see a quarterback that asked for his release that became third on the Panthers' depth chart. Not like one of these other teams that have star-studded quarterbacks. You got beat by P.J. Walker and Sam Darnold. And Baker just went out there out on the West Coast on a Thursday night and won a game for the damn Rams.
2: Yeah, I mean, I give him credit as far as just the fact that I didn't think that he was going to do what he did. I thought he was going to struggle and not look good at all. Uh, but at the end of the day, he did show that, you know, he's a capable quarterback. This is the defense that's bottom eight in scoring and total defense and fifth worst in pass defense. And we know Leighton games. Teams like to play soft coverage. And then he got down there and he hit a nice throw to win the game. Uh but that's about all I put into it. I feel like this is not going to be a a uh, continuing trend oh, you're and going I to think poop all over the Baker oh, yeah, excitement yeah. today. I mean he's gonna <laughs> go back to being what he was at some point. Uh and it's gonna happen soon more than likely. But you know I felt like McVay is a smart enough guy, this genius that people love to dub him, even though his offenses have never been uh you know, ranked as one of the most prolific in NFL history, but there goes that. But anyway, uh, you know, I knew he'd give him a package of plays and things like that, that he could understand. I mean, he was going to give him some things that, you know, he could figure out and run well with some familiarity. And that's what we saw. But of course, in the era we live in, everybody's overreacting. He's Joe Montana now. And, you know, the Panthers offensive coordinator is
0: <laughs> the worst there's ever been. There and you things go. Like that, Fitty. What did you make of your boy performing last night the way he did at the end of the game?
1: I I, I sent out a tweet, and this was something he said. I think he woke up feeling dangerous. Baker knows that his career in the NFL is on the line one way or another. I think he knew it was on the line here. And, and look, if the Rams and the Niners didn't have the quarterback injury issues that they have. Are we sure that Baker Mayfield would be on an NFL roster today? I don't know but I think he knows that and I think he just looked at the moment and said I've got to seize one last maybe opportunity at this thing and he proved he can still play. That's why he asked for his release right? I mean you see the injuries you see
0: oh it's John Walford and Bryce Perkins the ACC quarterbacks of four or five years ago. Hell I can beat those guys in a Rams quarterback battle. It's Brock Purdy. I know he just won but I can possibly beat that guy in a starting quarterback battle if San Fran were to pick me up. This is why he asked for his release. He, He didn't have anything to to lose right, like you know, that your time is done with Carolina. As soon as the season was going to end, Carolina was going to move on from you, and they were going to possibly play with the idea of bringing Sam Darnold back as this bridge QB as a backup QB. And same thing with PJ, I mean, he wasn't backup QB anymore, he was third string. If you want to talk about next year, possibly fourth string with Matt Corral to the point he had nothing to lose and he goes all in with his chips he ends up getting a game-winning drive out of it we did have some texts come into the text line somebody said that he thinks Mayfield was sandbagging when he was here certainly seems like it but also (laughs) I don't know what incentive he would have to do that but it does seem like he was sandbagging plenty of other texts I want to go back in hindsight and get to once we move on to the next segment and really dive in I did want to set the stage for this Hornets game though tonight against the New York Knicks. It's happening at the Spectrum Center. They actually lost a really close contest to the Knicks, 134-131, to at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. That game went to overtime. My boy, Dennis Smith Jr., hit a game-tying layup to force that overtime period. Eventually, the Hornets would lose, but it was when we were still feeling pretty good about a 3-3 and start after they would go on to beat Golden State. Here's Matt Doherty on the Kyle Bailey Show yesterday with Willie P. discussing the struggles of this Hornets team. Do you care? Will you play if you're down 30 uh, at halftime? Will you play on the back
2: end of a a, a back-to-back on the road? Uh, Will you show up shorthanded? Do you have pride? And I think that they do. But at the end of the day, you need talent. And they don't have a healthy team. And, And quite frankly, even if they were totally healthy, you know, they're still, you know, not a lock for playoffs.
0: This team is playing hard. In the end, that's not enough to get wins against some really good basketball teams you're playing against. But as I've said before, I don't really care if you view this as a participation trophy. At the end of the day, it's not going to get you in the play-in, so it's really not that big of a deal. But I do view these last two games as some tiny moral victories. Yes, I want the games to be actual victories myself. I want these... Big-time contributors like LaMelo, like Gordon Hayward if they're not going to trade him, like Cody Martin, who's one of the better defenders. You need all of those guys back, even Dennis Smith Jr. who turned into that. But the fact that Kelly Oubre and Terry Rozier are the go-to scorers, and Terry's not been playing all that well, by the way. Mm -hmm. Like His numbers are not nearly as good as what they were last year and the year before. I'm going to take the two-point loss to the Clips. I'm going to take the six-point loss to KD and company and I think it does prove that they are playing hard
2: but see the maddening thing about the Hornets is that and we saw this last season just when you think they're turning the corner or just when you think they're starting to get it then they do the opposite of what you want them to do and so I say all that to say with the way they're fighting and battling uh you know with the guys that they have on an injury play roster you would think okay once they get the other guys back not that they'll go on this tremendous win streak but that they'll start to pick up more wins at a more frequent pace and so I'm still going to hold out uh, and see how they do once guys return because this Hornets team, they still have yet to prove that they can be a consistent win and consistently do the things you want them to do and be a mature basketball team. And so that's the thing. I'm going to reserve a little bit of hope because sure. it is encouraging with what you're seeing from them. But just kind of their history shows you uh, that still they kind of lack the maturity sometimes to really put things together because logic says that when guys return, this could be a
0: little bit of a dangerous team. But it's not how it actually works, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that, you're right about that. Guys' roles change and you
2: gotta, sort of things like that.
0: you got to find that line of players who have expanded their roles. How do you dial it back while still flirting with their expanded role mm-hmm. while LaMelo comes back and gets his because it's exactly what should happen. Yep. Gordon. Hayward roll your eyes all you want to I know fans are not exactly happy with him understandably I get it but Gordon when he gets to his spots he hits shots that's the second time I've rhymed today like I don't know what it is Rhyming mood today. Mailman. MC, Ooh. baby. Give her the microphone. <laughs> Stepping on the ones and twos with the DJ over there being Josh Fitty, Marlowe, who just widened his eyes because that was the widest thing I've ever done, apparently. <laughs> Let's go to the next segment. Baker leads the comeback for L.A. to beat Vegas. How much of the game-winning drive was an indictment on the Carolina Panthers coaching staff? We'll discuss that next. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. And Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. You can share your thoughts on the garage door guru text line. Oh. So I still look at you as we're starting to iron out some of the wrinkles with the whole going to the jingle thing. Sometimes you get so set and you're ready to press the button and you extend your arm. You're looking at the computer. You're ready to go. Sometimes you're just looking in your lap, not really expecting to press it, at least for me. And then it comes on immediately like... I, I can't get a read on you when you're ready to go for some of that stuff. I was a little worried on that one.
1: No, nah, look, you labeled me a dynamic producer a few weeks ago, I and, did. and the one thing I've learned is the ability <laughs> to use <laughs> my hands and a lot in a lot of different ways. And so I can be looking the other way, but I know we're on the board to press to fire the jingle. And, and so the biggest thing is making sure I have it in the system. Like yesterday. Mm-hmm. Me and Wes got so locked in on a conversation in the commercial break. It just completely slipped my mind. And then you went to go cue it and I wasn't ready to go. But whenever I'm ready to go, mm-hmm. it don't matter where I'm looking at, where my hands at, that baby's going to fire.
0: <laughs> that sounds <laughs> sexual. Well, let's go to the text line 704-570-9610. <laughs> a couple people writing in about Baker Mayfield. Wanted to get to a few of these uh, texts that were in the last segment. Baker playing with a team that just won the Super Bowl. It's about the culture. That's what Miles from South Park wrote in. Jim Gillen wrote, as for Baker, it shows that an offensive head coach knows how to draw up a plan for QB that worked with his skills, looked a little Oklahoma to me. You're not feeling that. I I did look at you sideways when you said something about Sean McVay, Wes, and i let you roll. I didn't do the whole Dennis Smith Jr. What you doing thing. Let's go. I... You don't think Sean McVay is an offensive genius, no, quote-unquote? No,
2: I think he's for what, so overrated. Like, they act like the guy invented football. I mean, I've never watched his offense and been like, wow, he's had mm. good personnel. I mean, you know, he had Jared Goff, who he was basically, you know, he was helping him from what they said, you know, through the helmet and telling him a lot of the reads and where to go and stuff like that. But, no, I get tired of these coaches that they label them these awesome – fantastic coaches that invented football and all that stuff like the rams were one of the most i'm not going to say they were one of the worst super bowl teams that we've had in recent years. oh wow okay and i'm saying just as far as when i say worse don't think of it as i'm saying they're sorry but i'm just saying when we go back in the annals of history and, and look at this history. Rams team, anals. <laughs> yes, I said that on here. I don't want to go into the end of history. Promo. Goodness. Anyway, when we go back and look back at this team, nobody's going to be like, "Wow, man, that Rams team was so phenomenal. Like that offense was so groundbreaking. They are not his Rams offenses can't come close to the greatest show on earth." I mean, okay. But but people treat him but but people act like they put him on this pedestal as if he's like this Offensive
1: juggernaut. Wes. No, I know Wes. Y'all just show me. (laughs) Show me. Uh, Hang Uh, on. uh, Hang on. First off, Wes. Take off the 49ers no, blinders. No, it's not. We own them by the way. And then and then let's you talk do. about Except Sean for McVay. The Super Bowl win.
2: Yeah, let's talk about him.
1: Cuz cuz do you think Cooper Cup would be the the receiver he would be outside of Sean McVay's offense? I
2: know Steve Smith said he was going to be the best player in
1: the he, draft before anybody here, drafted. Here, here, here him. Are the stats. the best receiver.
0: Here are the stats for Sean McVay's offense. Can we agree that he's in charge of the offense? We can agree to that, right? Yeah. Okay. So if he's in charge of the offense, he comes in first year as head coach. For Jared Goff who looked awful under Jeff Fisher mm-hmm. their 10th in passing yards their sixth in passing touchdowns that season they were top five the next two years they finally get Matthew Stafford and their fifth the Super Bowl year in passing yards offense and their second in passing touchdowns if you go to the rushing offense the rushing offense has finished top 10 three of those years but it's not like you had to have a crazy good rushing offense because okay. their quarterback who, who was in that backfield with well, Daryl Henderson and... No, I'm Cameron. saying, didn't he have a... Um... We well, had Todd Gurley, oh, okay. when, and, and he was an MVP candidate. Right. Like, you're doing what you're supposed to do right. with Todd Gurley. He unleashed Correct. something that Jeff Fisher didn't do. Correct. Well, and Jeff Fisher, he,
2: he's fine. one of those, I got stuff on people. That's why he always gets jobs <laughs> type of guy.
0: That's fine. I just, when you're talking about him not having the numbers to prove it, he does. Like, these I are mean, top they're like, five offenses. I mean, they're good numbers, but they're not
2: genius where they hold
0: him on this, in this high esteem like
2: they do. That's what irks me. It's like... He doesn't have these offenses that rank in NFL history as some of the greatest. We're not going to look back and say, man, those Sean McVay offenses were so hard to stop, and they were so prolific. Like they He's were, a good though. offensive coach. Like he's a, Those are good numbers you give me. Those are, those are good numbers. They're top five. But it's not – that's what I'm saying in those given seasons. But this is not a guy that we're talking about that – this is not the 20-what – I forgot what Patriots, yeah, they went undefeated when they so were just
0: obliterated. You're talking people. about Tom Brady – Okay. Instead of Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford, the first year well, he has well, Matthew Stafford, like Stafford. Super Bowl,
2: but Stafford put up gaudy numbers in Detroit, though he did oh, turn it over and, a lot.
0: But he puts up he put sure, up gaudy numbers in Detroit, sure, and didn't win. And, okay, and right. no, but he right. also had a
2: good defense in in, okay. in, in
0: in in LA. So when you're going with the best offenses of all time, mm-hmm. who are the quarterbacks of those offenses? We're talking about Hall of Famers. We're talking about Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Steve Young. We're talking about Matthew Stafford, who might get into the Hall of Fame. Okay, kind of dicey. But Matthew Stafford has always been thought
2: of as one of the elite passes. Okay, but one year with Stafford, and then he wins the Super Bowl? Okay, but let's look at the scores of those games. Let's look at the scores from that Super Bowl run. They were
0: fifth in passing yards
2: offense. Okay, but I'm saying, but let's look at the scores from that Super Bowl run. They weren't lighting people up. I mean, they would drop the interception away from
0: not going anywhere. Well, I mean, that's going to happen with any game you can point to for any moment. But I'm just saying, but but the who's a genius to you? All I'm saying is the offensive geniuses, like Bill Walsh, and that's it. No, but I'm just saying that these guys that they that they talk
2: about are these genius coordinators. Their offenses are not just lighting people up and they're not doing anything groundbreaking. They, 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 they're not doing anything. They're not innovative. When you talk about a bill Walsh or some of these other guys, they're not innovative.
0: Sean, Sean McVay did not create the West coast offense at the same time. Right. If you go top five consistently, that's pretty damn impressive to me. All that to say, he's still doing what is a pretty impressive job here with Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker Mayfield with Carolina, look, I'm not I'm not sitting here to tell you mm-hmm. that Baker Mayfield is going to do this every single game. There are plenty of people on the text line telling you that this is, you know, one of the things. Hey, a clock. a broken clock is right twice a right, day. That's right. That's how I feel. I'm with them all day. Honestly, same. Same. <laughs> I don't expect Baker Mayfield to do this going forward. I'm celebrating how crazy it was. We haven't seen anything like that, right? I mean, I, I think, you know, Steve Weiss put this out a part of the NFL Network. He said he remembers Carson Palmer on short on a on a short-term acquisition where he's traded to the Raiders. Mm-hmm. He had to start pretty immediately and he didn't play well. And I forget the other quarterback that he put out. I'll try to get a research team on it. But this doesn't happen. When you have 2 days under your belt with a new offense, Baker Mayfield leads them on a game-winning drive. And honestly, some of those other drives have stalled out. It was a missed field goal. It was a, it was a fumble by Cam Akers. Mm-hmm. You know, they were doing well. I just I'm giving him his flowers for this moment. I think we can do this where we can say, okay, what Baker did was impressive. Sean McVay is clearly, whether you agree he's a genius or not, he's definitely better than Matt rule and Ben McAdoo in charge of the way this offense ran with Baker here. Mm -hmm. And it also doesn't have to be a huge indictment on this coaching staff, specifically Ben McAdoo. If you think he's in charge of this offense, like, I don't think Ben McAdoo is the greatest OC in the world. I have no problem moving on from him next year. I've had my problems with him. I think he's caught too much criticism. Fine. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to compare everybody to Sean McVay, now maybe this is falling on deaf ears for you, but I think for Sean McVay, there are not too many offensive coordinators or offensive minds in the league that are as good as Sean McVay. Mm -hmm. And Ben McAdoo sure isn't one of them. So I think that's where the comparison falls short. I don't think it has to be this indictment on the coaching staff. If so, is it an indictment on Kevin Stefanski that after one year, he couldn't get the best out of Baker Mayfield the next season that allowed you to go after Deshaun Watson, Mm -hmm. right? Like to, to me, it just goes to show, Hey, probably an outlier, probably Sean McVay is good at this and they're all probably better than what Carolina has a part of their coaching staff right now. Yeah. That's how I kind of divvy up the pie chart, if you will. Fiddy, stop! Don't eat it. I'm trying to use this in a in a, <laughs> in a in a showcase way, but that's how I would divvy up the pie chart. Is that fair?
2: Um, I mean, I yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's fair. Like I said, I, I just felt like last night when I looked at it, I just kind of took it for what it was. I just thought that you know Baker came in, got a pack of plays going against a defense that had yet to see him. And that offense hadn't planned for him, things of that nature. And I thought, you know, he took advantage of it. And kudos to Baker for doing so. But as far as just everybody just saying, oh, you know, you knew the overreaction was going to come because that's the world that we live in. And I knew that the Sean McVay overreaction was just going to be through the roof. You know, for God, his last you know few years that overall offensive points per game in twenty nineteen he was 6th, 20, 20, and you know this year thirtieth and I get that he has injuries, but everybody has injuries. So right, you know, like I said, I mean genius whatever, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah. So like like I said, we'll see once teams get tape on Baker and once guys start to figure some things out, we'll see what's up. Because like I said, that offense this year with uh. Because with his boy Matthew Stafford in there, I'm not giving him a pass this year and saying, oh, you know, injuries are the sole reason why that offense is where it is. Even this year at full strength, you know, with Whitworth going and that O-line looking how it looked, because he, he wasn't smart enough to figure that out, to figure out that they needed to stop trading all those draft picks and get some offensive linemen. Well, that wasn't uh, McVay. I mean, that was sneaky. Yeah, but he had final say on that stuff. No, he doesn't. Or, I mean, but he has a big say. You can't tell me Sean I mean, McVay sure. have a I sure, but it's not Matt
0: Rule contractual power. Right, but come on now. We know well, Sean I mean, McVay is a big dog in there. Sh- sure. Right. McVay has some say right. in this. And
2: if he was such a genius, he would have known, well, we probably should get some linemen in here that can block once – Andrew Whitworth's gone.
0: If if you if you think genius means impervious to everything, then Bill but Belichick isn't. But that's how people even, treat him. But Bill Belichick isn't then. Like, who is? I mean, Bill Walsh had two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yeah, but I call Bill Belichick a defensive genius. I mean, even, even with them. He has
2: the numbers, the winning? proof and the pudding. He's had several games. But at Sean Chuka McVay courses. has the No, numbers. he doesn't. What? No, he doesn't. I just, I just, I just told to you. you. This man, since 2019, his offense was 12th in points, 10th in points, 6th 30th. Go back that is his, not a genius. Go back to a his head seasons. coaching staff. Go best. back to the start of his head coaching staff. Okay, he was third and third the first two years. Well, I mean, but that's important. That is that is good. But when people talk about genius, I want to see ones up there. I don't see no ones. <laughs> okay, I see no ones. I mean, it, I see no offense that will go down in NFL history as one of the greatest.
0: I, okay, yeah, I.
2: That's all I'm saying. So Bill give B- me Mike Martz over that man. Oh God. <laughs> He coached you the greatest show on turf. He got one of the greatest offenses. He, he know offense better than McVay according to what his statistics and what his stuff shows. Sure. And you can say what he want. He took a grocery store bag boy right. and made that man a Hall of Famer. Am I am I telling
0: any lie? I mean, Arizona did pretty good job with Kurt Warner, too. But that was after Bowl. he
2: was with the Rams. but Am I telling lies? Yes. Did he not yes, take Yes, actually. How? You're telling so He had many Trent lies. Green balling, and then he had Kurt Warner balling. Trent ballin'. Green balling. I mean, he Trent was. Trent Green was balling before he, was, he got hurt. I mean, he was fine. Okay, and then he took a grocery store bag boy, Arena League quarterback. Mike Martz deserves Marshall the Foss credit for
0: that. And Tory Holt and Isaac Bruce. He drafted
2: them guys. What? He drafted Tory Holt. Uh, Mike March did? Yeah, his, his tenure drafted them. If I'm not mistaken, they did draft
0: Tory Holt. Oh. Uh, I mean, they they drafted all those players. Do we kay. think is So how come w- Sean McVay can't do it? He's a genius. I'm really confused about this argument because because he
2: ain't no offensive genius. That's what I'm telling you. I see no ones up there. I said, give me Mike Mice. Mike, Mike March. So you can be top five all day. That man has had offenses that rank in the, as wow. the greatest in NFL history. He's drafted Hall of Famers. Sean McVay has done none of that. Tell me the,
0: I'm I'm what? really confused about March drafting Hall of Famers when he wasn't the GM. I it,
2: okay but we know the head coaches have say on who gets picked though come on now let's I, not do that I, then, then who gets blame
0: for picks? Like, is it
2: both? He got blamed because he got fired eventually. I, but right. I'm saying that man deserves credit for what he did with Kurt Warner.
0: I, a Grocery this, this store in, bag boy. Th- th- this turned in, This turned into a Mike Martz argument. Yes, because I said you hate that, Sean that's McVay an offensive that genius. Uh, okay, that's an offensive genius. All right, we'll, we'll we'll look up. Look, this is what our research team is going to do. We're going to look <laughs> up the stats for one Mike Martz, and I hope, I hope that he's putting up ones all across the board. And if that's true. Kudos to you. It still didn't prove anything. All right, let's talk a little bit more about Baker Mayfield here. Here's Colin Cowherd, who has had his beef with one Baker Mayfield before. Here he is the day following a game-winning drive discussing how extremely impressed he was for Baker Mayfield.
1: This was impressive. Ben Skoronic was his go-to receiver tonight. A second year pro who was fourth or fifth on the depth chart, missing multiple offensive linemen. That's
0: impressive to walk into a city, new playbook, new coach, new system, new teammates. I mean, nobody really knows Baker fist bumped a few guys. I mean, Kirk Herbstreet said, I've been in town. He goes, I got here Tuesday for a speaking engagement. I've been in town longer than Baker Mayfield. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Like the fact that Baker came in after the game talking with media and then he asked, what time is it? I think they told him like 830 out on the West Coast. And then he said, I got in at 730 on Tuesday. I, that, that's, that's the thing that's impressive. I, I think where I settle on this is there are a lot of people saying this is a huge indictment on the coaching staff for Carolina. Mm. If you go back and actually watch the film of how Baker performed, you can have your gripes about not giving him enough chances to throw the ball downfield. That's fine. You could ask Ben McAdoo to lean a lot more into play action because he did go with play action on an above average level, but he didn't go towards the top of the NFL. So he was at 29%. I think the average is about like 25. He was still above average, but didn't lean in heavily to it. Mm-hmm. With all that being said, man, I mean, you can't coach missing dudes five yards past the line of scrimmage. And that's what Baker Mayfield was doing. And then here's Baker. He did a great job throwing the ball downfield and connecting downfield with some guys. And so for that, I give him a lot of credit.
2: Yeah. I mean, like I said, he came out last night. He took advantage of his opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so all we can do now is just wait and see. You know, is this a rebirth of Baker Mayfield? You know, is he going to uh, come back under this offensive genius and become the player that everybody thought that he could be in Carolina? Only time will tell. And then by the way, this Mike Martz, you want zero smoke with this argument, because Mike
0: does. Does the OC you want none? Does the OC have control over drafting players? Because nah. you try to act like we, you want. You want no smoke with this. Wait, I'm sorry. He has one year no, no, where no. his passing because, uh, offense was number one. Okay, no, you're very
2: wrong. Uh, this is I'm Dick Vermeule. No, Dick Vermeel was a head coach. Okay, no, I'm looking at Mike Martz's tenure uh, when he was offensive coordinator, and then the head coach. I forgot Vermeer did coach them. Yeah. In the Super Bowl. And you were trying to tell but me he Martz was the OC. Was
0: Isaac Bruce and Tory Holden. Okay, but he was the OC. But hold on. You can't now back off that. If I'm not d- backing if, if, off. But because I still got numbers as the you, head coach that's
2: smoking McVay.
0: You said Mike March drafted Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Marshall I said, Fogg. if
2: I'm not mistaken, I wasn't sure. No, but but wasn't he wasn't sure. even the head coach. I wasn't sure.
0: And so you have one year where Martz was calling plays, and he got a number one passing offense, according to Pro Football Reference, and that was touchdowns and yards, and that was 99. Whoa, 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 hold on, partner. What'd you say now? What'd you say? One year. One year he was. Passing offense was rated number one. Where?
2: Where you see that at? Because <laughs> what I'm looking at, Look, I'm we're, looking we're at... Pat, we'll no, come no, no. back. Let's yeah, we'll come break. back.
0: Let's go to break. We'll come to break. We'll I don't break. know what you looking at. Okay. Let's go to the Fitty Flash where we will continue Mike Mart's conversation
1: on this Friday
0: leading up to a Panthers-Seahawks game. Fiddy, what you got?
1: <laughs> Do you want to provide a World Cup update for the soccer faithful? Brazil and Croatia, they are now going to penalty oh, wow. kicks tied at one after... Uh, two full extra time sessions. So we'll we'll follow this during the break because we all know Wes is a known major Brazil fan. Let's go, baby. Uh, I know we're about to go to the campus corner, but mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to get to this with the Mike Martz argument that we're having on the show. That's right. Uh, two-time All-ACC wide receiver Josh Dance has officially entered his name in the NFL draft, a big loss for Drake, for Drake May and that Carolina offense. But this is going to be a guy, I think, when we start getting into draft season, we'll have to keep an eye on for Carolina on day two uh, for, for the Panthers to find another passing weapon for Sam Darnold, whoever will be quarterbacking this team next year. We'll see exactly
0: how it all takes
1: place, and we'll all see how this
0: next conversation takes place. West of Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. on the Mike Mart, Sean McVay thing. We don't have to go too deep on this, but Wes, you do have the Mart's stats up there. And if you want to, go ahead. The number ones that Mart's put up, what did he put up there with the greatest <laughs> show that. on turf?
2: It, there he goes. He tried to throw that in there to try to, 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 try to knock it off that the man took a, a bag boy and made him a Hall of Famer. That's right. But he has three seasons in which his offense was number one in points and yards. Sean McVay does not have one year where his offense was number one.
0: So Mart's a genius, Belichick, Bill Walsh, that is your Mount Rushmore of NFL There's geniuses. a couple more that I'm leaving and McVay out. is out because he did not finish number one. He for hasn't one done time.
2: anything innovative. He's never had an offense that's been looked at as is innovative or record-setting. So right. no, he's no genius in my book, buddy. Nine is right. on him.
0: I got a buddy and a yo. That's how That's you know right. it's real for this. <laughs> well, argument. the buddy wasn't for you. You're saying the Sean buddy McVay was just buddy? in the air. So the yo was for me, and the buddy was. The for yo McVay. was
2: for you. The buddy is just. Everybody. Okay,
0: that's for the street. That's for you, the listener, and you can respond 704 570 9610 via the Garage Door Guru text line. Let's now visit the campus corner. This quarterback ain't no grocery bag boy. He is a full on pedigree stud, but maybe Heisman voters don't necessarily think the same. After Drake May was possibly the favorite to win the Heisman at least top three going into that Georgia Tech contest. Heisman finalists eventually voted Drake May as only the 10th, 10th 10th-place player in all of college football when it came to who should win the Heisman trophy. Then he will go to the heel-tough blog man himself. Do you think that was too far of a drop for Drake May when it comes to the Heisman finalists?
1: Yeah, because, and look, I know the last three weeks were rough for Drake, but, like, if you take him... The is supposed to be the most outstanding player in college football, right? You take Drake May off of Carolina, are they in Charlotte competing for an ACC title? No. Are they 9-1 and one with a chance to maybe back, you know, with, with what happened around the country, be in the conversation to be in the college football playoff? Absolutely not. Dijon Robinson's a great running back. He barely passed over 1,000 yards. He... he, he proving he wasn't as important to their success as drake may was to carolina i fought really hard for blake Corum. i f- i fought really hard for drake may but you're gonna have a hard time selling me on there are nine more better overall college football players that are more important to their team than drake may gets to the heels so. west was this too far of a drive for drake may yeah i
2: agree with fitty on that one i thought that i would have put him up uh, In that five or six range, perhaps. I think, though, it's all about what the Heisman voters, it's all about what was the last thing did they see. And I think we saw that, especially with Stetson Bennett getting in. A lot of people say he played his way in, having 275-4 uh in that SEC championship game. And so with Drake May, with him struggling the last three weeks, three L's, only three touchdowns. I think that for a lot of people, that was a big turnoff and he lost
0: steam each week. Yeah, I don't think it should. I think you're right in that that is what affected the voting. I don't think it should have. but it is what happened. And if you look at number five, Hendon Hooker. okay, dude had an excellent season. It's shortened by injury. I understand him not being a finalist because eventually, I think we all understood he wasn't going to win, but seeing him reach top five, pretty impressive there. I think I look at the Bryce Young Blake Corum uh, conversation Mm -hmm. and, and exactly where you were kind of putting him. I think if you look at Bryce Young the guy was really impressive. Some of the stats didn't kind of add up to what Drake May was doing as well until at the end of the season. But I, I agree. I think I would have put him right there instead of coming in oh! at number 10. And we are broken up with the breaking news soundbite. What do you have, Fitty? Oh. Uh,
1: Wes, are you looking at the TV? Yeah, in the I see studio? crying.
0: My country is crying right now. <laughs>
1: oh, now they're, they're, Brazil's your country now?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my country in the World Cup. <laughs>
1: How are you I processing knew they were going to choke. How are you processing Brazil getting beaten in Croatia and knocked out of the World Cup after losing an argument with Walker five minutes prior to this uh, defeat?
2: Well, that's your opinion. And then, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, I'm not uh, surprised. Brazil though, are a perennial choker. They come in every year with this great team and all these great players and then they're crying like they are right now. So I'm not surprised in the least.
1: Uh, I I, I mainly hit the breaking news sounder, though, because we got some injury news updates for the Carolina Panthers in this matchup with Seattle. According to David Newton from ESPN, so take this with a grain of salt, Uh, running back Deontay Foreman and Iki Equanu, they are questionable for Sunday. Mm. Um, Defensive tackle Matt Ioannidis, Miles Hartfield, Uh, Corey Littleton, Xavier Woods, they are also questionable for Sunday. Let me me read that. Foreman and and Iquanu, no injury status, so they appear good to go. But the other ones, Ionitis Hartsfield, Littleton, Xavier Woods all listen as questionable. I mean if you were to choose the most
0: valuable of those players then it is nice to see that you don't have the designation for Deontay Foreman and Ike Aquanu but still Xavier Woods a good safety for this football team Miles Hartfield will actually stand out on film every once in a while. I mean not afraid to make some tackles especially playing in the box sometimes running up to the ball carrier so I really like Miles Hartfield but other than that Ike Aquanu, West, Deontay Foreman, some pretty nice things heading into Seattle this weekend.
2: For sure especially Especially Deontay Foreman. We know the offense starts and ends with him. They're going to need him and that raucous environment for him to go up there and quiet the
0: crowd. Alright, let's talk a little bit more about some North Carolina football here real quickly because the news does not stop when it comes to the Chapel Hill football program. If you look now, not only have they lost Bill Longo, a whole bunch of other players that maybe you're not nearly as sad to see leave the program. Right now. One player that did leave North Carolina to enter the NFL draft, it's actually Josh Downs, so not something that we're surprised about. We knew Josh Downs was not going to be playing football for the Tar Heels next season. He's going to enter the NFL draft. Real quickly, rapid-fire question, what's the bigger loss for North Carolina? Is it Phil Longo or is it Josh Downs?
2: Uh, ooh, I would go with Phil Longo. I'm just going to say, you know, he was the architect of the offense and and um, all that good stuff. So yeah, I'm going to go with Longo. What you think, Fitty?
1: It's Phil Longo, and it's not a question. Look at the guys he has helped develop. Look at the guys that he's put in the NFL and right now that guy's no longer on your coaching staff and you've got to find somebody that can come in and adequately replace him and it's the hardest thing to do in college football whenever you build a good program other other programs pull from your coaching staff the great programs are able to to replace coaches on a consistent basis that was what was one of the downfalls for Larry Fedora when he was here. It's going to be important for Mac Brown to get this hire right. So, how much does Drake May?
0: erase some of these losses right we talked about this with phil longo leaving and you say that's clearly the bigger loss here compared to josh downs but that's still a pretty important offensive loss you're not going to have i mean if you go back to some of these receivers north carolina has been able to bring in you're talking about Daz newsome diami brown both going to the nfl diami brown being a higher draft pick here you are having josh downs i expect to be a higher draft pick man was diami third round I think, I think so, yeah, that yeah, right. sounds yeah. right. So Josh Downs, like second day guy, second third round, is where I expect him from what I've seen early mm-hmm. on in the NFL draft list. Do they have that number one wide receiver that can step up? Did, he, did you think that Drake May can force somebody to be that guy with how talented he is, or is there somebody that's going to have to step up themselves to be that number one receiver?
1: The beauty of Carolina being injured at the beginning of the year with Downs and Antoine Green, you it forced Kobe Pesor onto the field. It forced Gavin Blackwell, J.J. Jones. That's right. I feel like it'll be a wide receiver by committee. I want this new offensive coordinator to put a premium value on involving that tight end position. Bryson Nesbitt is a matchup nightmare waiting to happen. He's the guy I look to see break out in a big way in 2023.
0: Do you think that Drake may can save the offense? Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, like
2: I said, he's a great eraser. Carolina will have some guys that step up. Josh Downs was clearly their most versatile as He could give it to you any way that you wanted, and he could be bracket coverage out of that slot position. So they're going to miss him, and that's going to be a lot for uh, them to replace. But as Fitty said, they will be receiver by committee. Drake will find a way to make it work because basically he has no choice but to. So they'll do it. They'll miss him, but they'll get it done.
0: All right, we have plenty of Carolina Panthers conversation. Coming up with their game against the Seattle Seahawks. Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, they're taking on Brock Purdy and San Francisco. If they lose, maybe there is some life to Carolina actually winning the NFC South Division. Despite the low odds given to them by some analytics models that you might subscribe to, there would be a little bit of life, I think, breathed into the situation. If Carolina can win this weekend, Tampa Bay loses to San Francisco. Plus, they still have each other to face off against later on in the season. It's Jalen McDaniels, though, coming up next. Charlotte Hornets forward, who really is experiencing a very nice season. Despite the lack of wins for the Charlotte Hornets team, they'll be playing the New York Knicks tonight. Let's hear from Jalen McDaniels coming up next. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.